1: Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
0: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take your questions on online photo faux pas, addressing letters to beneficiaries, email signature etiquette, and politely deferring tender topics.
0: Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on consideration, respect, and honesty through the eyes of kindness, gentleness, and safety.
1: For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about the proper thank-you gift for a very generous work trip.
0: All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont, by the Emily Post
1: Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning.
0: And Mr. Moderator, how did it go yesterday at our quaint town meeting?
1: Thank you so much for addressing me by my proper title. I will take a bow now.
0: So we do this cool thing in Vermont. We have Town Meeting Day. We're actually, it's a it's a state holiday pretty much. And you are you are given the time off from work to go and participate in your Town Meeting Day. And our lovely Dan Poe Senning is actually a moderator in the town of Duxbury, Waterbury, which one?
1: Duxbury, Vermont. Duxbury, Vermont. Where the town meeting has happened annually since the 1770s, since... Before the town was chartered, it's kind of a remarkable institution and example of direct democracy. Most people are familiar with the Republican form of government where we vote for representatives who then go represent us and do the actual work of governing. Democracy where you actually get to stand up and conduct a meeting and propose rules, regulations, laws, vote on the budget of your town, direct participation in that governing process is – really kind of rare and special, and it's a treasured institution here in Vermont. And in order to keep it going, it requires participation. I found myself reflecting on that a lot as I was cramming the night before, because I'm relatively new to this role, and it requires me to have some familiarity with Robert's Rules of Order so that I'm able to conduct the meeting in the way people are used to and the way it's designed to be run, and it makes me just a little bit nervous, and... (laughs) I asked myself, why am I doing this? Why is it worth my time? And why is it worth the effort to to go do it? And it really is something special. And thank you for asking how it went. It went well. <laughs> I will, will spare you all of the gory details, all of the intimate ins and outs of local small town politics, the sure. major personalities and issues around whether or not we pay for gravel or not. <laughs> but it big picture went smoothly the town elected me again for a second year nice. and i did well enough that i'm feeling more comfortable that it's probably likely that i'll get elected again for a third year
0: oh that's awesome that's awesome so I want to paint the picture here. Do you have a gavel? I mean, if someone's out of order, do you call them? Does it feel rude as an etiquette expert to be like, "You're out of order"? What do you do? What's it like? Give me the give me the comic version. Obviously, that's what I'm looking for.
1: Yes, I have a gavel.
0: You do not. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and Who it is hysterical. <laughs> I want a picture next year. <laughs>
1: um. I think you can find one on Facebook That's somewhere. i so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, not going to okay. point us at it. but
0: So you have a gavel, and did you have to use it? <laughs>
1: I use it to open and close the meeting. That's it. Okay. And I did have to uh, remind people to address their comments to the moderator, not to each other. Okay. Definitely one of the things that you do is uh, encourage civility, and one of the ways you do that is you remind people to address the audience through you, not each other directly, particularly as certain issues become... I don't want to just call them contentious, but maybe personal.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So you know, I, I, and that's a part of the job. that actually, I feel pretty well equipped to do a little bit of that etiquette experience and background sure. is helpful with that kind of moderation. For me, it's more the 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 the, the procedures of the meeting, and mm-hmm. the vast majority of a meeting is conducted with four or five basic maneuvers. Okay. It's if someone got into any sort of extra curricular parliamentary maneuvering, I want to table this. I want to pass over that that i start to say to myself i need a few more years experience before i really feel well equipped but i'll tell you what i did do i set a land speed record we finished by lunch usually the duxbury town meeting goes on into the afternoon but we wrapped up by lunchtime i got applause
0: oh nice nice
1: and i was just um in need enough of a relaxation at that point i afforded myself the afternoon off i went home i put my feet up i ate a al pastor taco, and <laughs> just basked in the glory of having successfully made it through another year.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Well, let's make it through some questions. And uh, we, you don't have a gavel, but I, I do believe we are going to welcome your judgment and opinion.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> let's go. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You could leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, please remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message so that we know it's from you.
0: Our first question is titled, Photo Freeloaders. Dear Lizzie and Dan... I have a question for you from a woman I just met who is a photographer and who is contracted by the public high school in our town to take photos of our sports teams. I don't know if the town pays her or not for this, but she did explain to me that the photos she takes are then for sale via an online photo gallery. From there, parents can view and select photos to purchase. She lives in town and knows many of the families whose children participate in sports, and she is friends with many of them on Facebook, so... She sees when parents and students, her friends, neighbors, acquaintances, have copied the photos she posted in her online gallery for sale and then reposted them on their Facebook pages for free. Some photographers put a watermark over their photos to deter online theft, and it is theft to copy and repost an image without the owner's permission. She doesn't want to do this because she thinks it makes it hard to see the photo being considered for purchase and because it's easy to remove the watermark that's in quotes, although I sure don't know how. I am upset for her that people would take something for free when it is clearly for sale, and it's her livelihood. I work for an intellectual property law firm, so I think I have more awareness of these issues than most people. But it isn't common knowledge that copying images off the Internet is stealing. And people who copy the photographer's photos don't know it's illegal. But they should understand that the photographer is putting them online so that they can be purchased. What could the photographer say to the people who repost? Or should she have a more prominent and strongly worded statement on her gallery that copying is stealing, but everything is for sale? She doesn't want to turn off customers or alienate friends and neighbors. I would be interested to hear what you think. Thank you, friend of the photographer.
1: This is a tough one. It is kind of a tough one. It's right on the edge for me of etiquette because in yep. some ways this is really a business question. A legal and question, yeah. I would definitely start at the beginning, the origin of these photos where they're posted online, mm-hmm. and I would double check that website and be sure that it really is clear that these photos are for sale and are not intended for public use unless you've purchased them. I think that you can do that with a statement that's on the bottom of every page, that's part of the footer of the website. It doesn't need to change the whole nature, look and feel of the site. It doesn't need to be A banner across the top of everything that you're looking at, but have it posted so that it's clear it applies to everything that people are looking at.
0: might even be good to have a reminder when you enter the gallery on each photo, you know, if there's a way to do a a comment or something next to the photo that's just a reminder, this photo is for purchase and not available for distribution by screen capture or something like that.
1: Another way to do that is that reminder that it's available for purchase, that that's a way to subtly say these aren't free. And then along with the clear explanation of what the costs are and the forms that you can get them in printed or digital, that you've also got that little reminder that they're not for public use unless they've been purchased. Once you've established that, then you're in much better shape if you see people continuing to use them and and that might be the case already, mm-hmm. but you're really in in good shape if you see someone using them that hasn't bought them, hasn't paid for them to say something and I don't think saying something needs to be confronting them face to face. I oftentimes think talking to someone or letting someone know in writing is a really good idea. It's clear, it's unavoidable it's An opportunity to think about what you want to say ahead of time, draft that up when you're not emotional upset or dealing with that person right in front of you, but when you can really focus on the content of that message.
0: It also creates a paper trail, and it shows that you have asked someone to take something down or to not use it, and that you have pursued this. And I do think that that is often important, should it become a problem with any one particular person or with a group. I'm also curious as to if the school would be willing to include such a disclaimer when they are sending out things like the school newsletter that says, we've had a photographer come and do photos for the students. And if you're interested in purchasing the photos, just a reminder, screen capture the photos and sharing them on Facebook is not permitted. And I think that that can be a way for the school who's who's creating the opportunity here, both for the parents and the kids and the photographer, to help facilitate um, the right relationship between the photographer and the parents.
1: I like that idea of getting the other partners yeah. involved. A definite point of etiquette is that I would never confront or call someone out publicly. So whether that's in person in front of other people or if that's in that social media space. I don't think I would make a public response to seeing that image mm-hmm. that called them out for using that image. I would send that written statement to them privately or I would ask to speak to them when there weren't other people around if I was going to do that in person. My final thought is definitely try those watermarks. <laughs> try them on the edges of the photos. They don't need to interfere with the image. It doesn't need to be right across the middle, across the the action or someone's face, but putting some sort of watermark on that image before it's been purchased is a great way to remind people that that really is your property. Friend of the photographer, you truly are a friend to this photographer. Thank you for submitting this question and taking us into a slightly new territory for etiquette. But if you have a sincere interest in photographic work, it would be worthwhile
0: to investigate the field carefully. Some phase of photography may become your life work.
1: Our next question is about letters to beneficiaries.
0: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. longtime listener from the Dinner Party Download Days. My question is in regards to addressing letters from a trust. My mother passed away last year and left some of her assets to various family members. As the trustee, it is my job to distribute these assets to the beneficiaries. I want to send each of them their gift with a special note. I find myself at a loss with how to address the letterhead. The formal name of the trust is pretty clunky. Do I just put the full name of the trust and then trust? Or do I write a note from full name and then trust? Thank you for the work you do making the world kinder. Sincerely, Successor Trustee.
1: Successor Trustee, I think this is a really nice idea. I like the way you're thinking about including a note or a letter along with these distributions from the trust. For the letterhead, I would just stick with the name of the trust itself. I would keep it pretty simple. And I'm thinking of the letterhead as being that either top or bottom of the the paper itself. The content of that letter or note is where I would really make the effort to personalize in a way that's going to address someone in a more human way. And it sounds like that's your whole intent behind this. I'm sure that's what's going on
0: as the person designated to manage the distribution that to me is is a good place where it can be a little like less formal but you also are in this titled position of distributor. And so you can also ask uh, whomever it is, the, the law office that you're working with, how people often handle this. And that might be another way to just gain a little bit more perspective. There's also no reason why you couldn't have the formal letter that has, you know, is from the trust and with all the trust language. And then you just write a little personal note that goes along with it and say, you know, as the executor or trustee, I just wanted to write a note to say, I'm so, you know, glad to be sending this to you and your connection with my mother or whomever it is, you know, is is so appreciated and I hope that you enjoy this item, you know, whatever it is.
1: I really like that idea. I was also thinking about that further personalization and the, the, the handwritten signature is obvious to me that that's the way that that's the first step. But then handwriting that letter or note takes it even another step into that more personal territory and – I like that idea of maybe the formal letter and then attaching a handwritten note to that as well. Those are all really good options.
0: Successor trustee, we hope that that helps. And we are also so sorry to hear of the passing of your mother.
1: You know, Nora, that's not bad at all. With a little practice, you'll be a wizard writing letters. Thanks, Walter. This next question is about email signature etiquette. Dear Dan and Lizzie, greetings from Leeds, England. I listen to Awesome Etiquette every Monday and I'm currently working my way through the back catalog. I can feel myself becoming kinder and more considerate the more I listen and holding those I interact with to higher standards in the way they treat me, which has not always been easy for me. Thank you for making me better and for letting me know that I also deserve to be treated well by others. My question is this. Under an old boss, I was reprimanded for not including my name at the bottom of my emails because she believed it was coming across to those I was emailing as rude. I was under the impression that, as my email signature contains my name on the first line, I did not need to repeat my name. I'm now in the habit of writing my name above my name in the email signature as such. With best wishes, Lily. And then, below that, Lily Jones, Company X other information. It might be important to note that my email address also contains my name. Am I wasting time by repeating myself? Is it rude to rely on the signature to convey my name? Is that not the whole point of the email signature? Many thanks in advance for your time, Lily.
0: Lily, I think what you're doing now sounds like the right thing. The with best wishes, Lily, and then Underneath that, it says Lily Jones, Company X, and then all the contact information. It's important to remember that without putting the Lily in there, you're essentially, your contact info with your last name becomes what you're signing every single time. It becomes the signature. And I know it's what we've placed in the email preferences system as our signature. But it's really there as useful contact information. You don't want the signature to sound like Lily Jones X company, four two three nine seven six five seven nine zero. 976 5790 email address, this Twitter number. handle. Yeah, exactly. It's too much. By signing it, best wishes, Lily, and then having your full name with all your contact info below, you're both making it a little bit more personal, a little bit friendlier, um, a little bit more to the conversation and closing out the actual conversation. We don't close conversations by saying, oh, thank you so much, Lizzie Post, da 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 da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. We say, thank you so much, Lizzie. And so it's important that you kind of close the conversation and then have that pertinent signature information below. So the way you are doing it now I think is excellent, even considering the fact that your email address contains your name.
1: I like this question following our previous question. Me too. Because the previous question was about letterhead, and it reminds me of where email came from. It originally copied (laughs) <laughs> written mail, we call it snail mail now, even though it's not that slow. That In a mm-hmm. lot of ways, that email signature is like your letterhead. It's like that information that's printed on the stationery that you're using at your business or your office. So it's got that contact information. It might have the name of the business as well as your own name. So think of that email signature as the letterhead on the paper, and you wouldn't stop a letter and not sign it because it's got all that information already built into the letterhead. Bingo. I wanna go just one step further. Do it. And this is a little bit risky. Okay. Some people like to build their email signatures so that they have a all the best and then their name in the same font that the email body text is written in Mm -hmm. and then have the emails a more standard email signature that's got the contact information that follows. If you really wanted to skip writing it every time you wrote your email, you could build (laughs) your email signature so that it mirrored that.
0: Can you tell Dan's been doing a lot of emailing lately where where it might be convenient to shave a second by not having to write best Dan, best Daniel, best Dan, best Daniel on every single email. But
1: you make a Good point. What you're really doing is shaving a second. And you really have to use it intentionally and well because the whole point of that closing that's in the the context or in the, the copy of the email itself is that it's related to what you were just saying. And if you're using the same one every time you strip away the possibility of saying, oh, this time I'm going to say best. This time I'm going to say all the best. This time I'm going to say best wishes. This time I'm going to say regards. Oh, this time I'm going to notice that the person I was just bouncing back and forth with stopped doing it. And having been three or four emails deep in this chain, we're now not going to go through that any longer. You just got to be careful because people can see sometimes that that's what you've been doing. And I think it's easier just to write it in. But I wanted to mention that that is one way that some people manage this.
0: A final thought on this one is that when we're talking about a back and forth email exchange, we start to um, be in a conversation where we no longer need the hellos and the goodbyes and the sign offs. But I do think it is nice when this is an initial email or it's, you know, a more formal email to include that particular sign off. But when you are bouncing things back and forth and back and forth, especially when it comes to scheduling and that sort of thing, you don't need to write hello and then sign and then your name every single time um, I often when we're getting to that point it's funny I may skip the hellos but I still often do a best or a thanks or a, that would be wonderful looking forward to it Lizzie when it comes to the last email in that grouping Lily thank you so much for giving us a chance to address this question
1: I don't know how you do it, Wally. You make it seem so easy.
0: You see, Nora, different letters have different purposes.
1: They do all kinds of things. Our next question is about politely deferring sensitive questions. Hi, Awesome Etiquette. Thanks for putting on such a wonderful show. I am hoping you can answer my question. I got married to my husband last year, and he is finishing a fairly difficult and competitive degree. We live in a very depressed part of the country, and he is struggling to find work after he has graduated. He is one of the few left in his program without work, and I find myself the spokesperson for his situation as we live about three hours away from one another. I know he feels embarrassment towards his situation. I don't want to get into it with people or answer their questions and wish they wouldn't bring it up at all, but they do and don't mean anything bad by it. How do I change subjects without being rude? Usually I say something like, oh, he's still looking, but it almost always ends up followed by questions, which I don't want to talk about. My husband is more reserved, and I find lots of questions directed toward me by my curious friends and family members. What is a polite way to defer questions I don't want to talk about? Any help? I am very grateful for. Anonymous.
0: Ugh. This is so frustrating, It's and it's it's so tough because other people don't often realize they're asking something that could be frustrating, upsetting, or difficult for you. And so their hope is to be encouraging and to be there for you, and maybe they have an idea or something like that. Curious and it, interested. Exactly, and it just, you just want to run away from it. I totally get it. I think that oftentimes it is best to just directly address things head on. So my MO would probably be to go to you know, I'd rather not speak for him, but just keep thinking good thoughts for us, please. And I think that's one way to encourage the idea that the intention that's coming towards you is about good thoughts and good intentions, but you don't want to speak for him or you don't want to talk about it. And sometimes you can say, I'd rather not talk about it, but please just keep your hopes up for us or keep sending us good vibes, whatever works for your personal language. So either I'd rather not speak for him or, you know, I'd rather not talk about it right now, but thank you for just knowing that this is something we want to move forward with, or, you know, it's, it's tough. You can hear me even guessing at some of the secondary sample language I've given. But I do like the please keep thinking good thoughts for us because I think that encourages someone to be positive for you and also lets them know you just don't want to talk about it right now.
1: I'd like that. I'd been thinking about something like I'd rather not get into it right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that follow up of redirecting to a positive place. Yeah. I think it helps someone else know how to feel about it, that that doesn't then feed into their curiosity or if their curiosity is mixed or blended with concern, it doesn't really feed into that.
0: And then when they jump back with, oh, well, I had this idea for you, you could say, I'd love to talk about it another time. And that's another way to just immediately say, you know, you're saying, thank you, I I love this, but right now is not not when I want to talk about it. And it's okay to do that.
1: I was also thinking about, you know, we just don't know yet. And that's essentially saying, you know, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it, right? that it's a question for us also. I'd love to answer your questions, but we just don't know yet.
0: We just don't know yet. So keep thinking good things for us. I do love the idea that it gets you out of the conversation too, because sometimes when you stop a conversation on somebody, there can be this kind of dead weight in the air of Mm -hmm. uh, where do we go next? And you're guiding them to something next. The other thing that you can do is say, you know... We just don't know yet, but I really have been wanting to hear about and then ask them something about them, and it's the wonderful
1: redirect. (laughs) My other note for this question was sample language, something along the lines of it's an ongoing process followed by redirect with a question. Yes. (laughs) And that way you've acknowledged the question, so you haven't ignored someone. You have responded to the thing they've asked you, even if it is a noncommittal response, but then you – feed the ball back to them. You, you actually do something with that conversation ball that you've been handed. You say, you know, I'm really curious to hear about how things are going with Nancy. <laughs> and that takes the conversation in another direction that you've got some control over. Anonymous, thank you for this question. It's certainly easier than the ones you've been dealing with. Yes, you see good manners wherever there are people who respect each other and want to get along with others.
0: Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or a text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach out via Twitter. We are at Emily Post Inst. That's I N S T or Facebook, where we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette when posting to social media so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today, we hear a little feedback on episode 231 about the mother-in-law called mom, or who wanted to be called mom. (laughs) Right. Hello. I wanted to give some thoughts in response to the future mother-in-law asking to be called mom. Maybe you could approach this by giving him, the son-in-law, some options. For example, Mrs. Smith feels really formal. Would you feel comfortable calling me Mama C, Mom, or Mimi? If you Google alternative names for mothers, there are many cute name options. This lets the future son-in-law make the decision within his comfort zone and without being put on the spot. It would also avoid potential future conflict with the son-in-law-to-be's mother, who could potentially have all sorts of feelings about her title being usurped. Best of luck.
0: Our next piece of feedback is from episode 223 and is on correcting mispronunciations. Hi there. I had a thought for the listener who was wondering if there ever was a polite way to correct mispronunciations. If I hear someone pronouncing a word differently than I do, I usually ask the question, Oh, is that the way you say it? I always said it this way. It opens up a conversation for how a word is pronounced. I look at it as a learning opportunity versus a correction. We talk about it or look it up on the internet. Sometimes I'm wrong in my mis- in my pronunciation and I get to learn something new. Sometimes they are wrong and learn how it is pronounced without feeling bad because I'm asking a genuine question versus making a statement. I hope I'm not wrong in my etiquette and that this is a polite way to discuss differences in Saying words. All the best, Hannah. Hannah, it is all in how you do it. And I don't think I did you justice when I read your sample script.
1: I was having the exact same thought. At first, I was thinking to myself, oh, this could be trouble. This could be seen as a sneaky way to point out Mm -hmm. someone not doing something well. And then as the feedback rolled on, I started to say, you know, if you really are genuine about it, if you are genuinely curious and you're able to communicate that, this could actually be a really effective way to talk about this.
0: I'm finding it has to be a true question. Oh, wait, is that how you say it? I I, I must have been saying it wrong. Wait a second. I say it this way. How do you say it? Say it again. Wait, can we look this up for a minute? It's got to be genuine interest, genuine curiosity that you are wrong as opposed to genuine curiosity as to why they're pronouncing it the way they are.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Self-reflection, right, Dan?
1: (laughs) Hannah, thank you for this feedback. It definitely got us thinking.
0: Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please, please, please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette, and today we have Dan diving deeper into something he's very versed in: consideration, respect, and honesty—the good old CRH on this show.
1: Lizzie, I'm hoping that you're going to join me in the deep end of the oh, pool I on will. this one, even though I'm, i am can't gonna,
0: help it, man. <laughs> I'm
1: going to get there through the shallow end. Are you? And. I'm going to step way back and say that they say that being a parent really broadens your mind, opens up your your perspective on some things. In other ways, your perspective gets very narrow. <laughs> I don't do a lot these days except hang out with my two-year-old and life seems to revolve around that family sphere. Sure. And one of the things that sort of has broken into that bubble a little bit is Anisha going to a daycare where they have a little mantra that they teach the kids. What it, is it? They ask, "Is it kind? Is it gentle? Is it safe?" Okay. And Nisha was coming home, and she was saying, "I'm not kind." Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I was saying, "How where? did you not
0: record that on video and use it like somewhere?"
1: And I'm saying, where, where, "Where is this kind language coming from?" Like, I'm not kind. Do I tell her to be kind? Where, where is she learning <laughs> yeah, this? And she was learning it at daycare. Don't. And. So I asked her mother, and she said, "Oh, they have this thing that they say: is it kind? Is it gentle? Is it safe?" And just for the record, she she is very kind. Yeah, she is. As kind as a two-year-old could be. Yeah. Um, I think she might be saying it a little bit to be funny.
0: Probably. They're also raw; those two-year-olds. You know, they just say things.
1: (laughs) They do. But it got me thinking. It's sort of a three-part system for evaluating sure. behavior. And
0: Is it kind? Is it gentle? Is it safe? Okay. Yeah, I'm with you.
1: We say it in the introduction of this show all the time, to approach the world through etiquette based on consideration, respect, and honesty. And we shorten it to CRH because we say it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's the foundation of so much of what we do at the Emily Post Institute. If you go back and listen to episode one of this podcast, uh-huh. it's us thinking and talking about consideration, respect, and honesty as being foundational to the work we do at Emily Post. And throughout the first 100 episodes of the show, I think we actually went back and reflected on this theme, built on it, talked about it again a couple of times. I happened to be traveling with your father at one point Mm -hmm. when our show went through a big transition, and we were teaching in Seoul, doing teacher trainings, and we were teaching people uh, etiquette process based on consideration, respect, and honesty. And I was listening to these early episodes of the show thinking how consistent our approach and language are. Totally. Um, As I was reflecting on kind, gentle, and safe and how they in some ways mirror considerate, respectful, and honest imperatives (laughs) – it got me thinking about how long it had been since we really talked about consideration, respect, and honesty as being foundational on this show and that we, we refer to it. But it's been a while since we've really broken that down. So with your permission, Cousin Lizzie, I would like to build some loose connections that had developed in my mind between kind and considerate, gentle and respectful, safe and honest, and in doing so, it, talk a little bit about CRH yeah, and how they work for us. This is
0: making a lot more sense now because had just written in the script, is it kind, considerate, is it gentle, respectful, and is it safe, honest, and I wrote as a note under it, um, is gentle how we now define respect? Like, what is going on here? This sounds like language I'm used to hearing elsewhere than applied. I was like, wait a minute. Have you been doing something in seminars that I'm not picking up
1: on? What's going on here? No, just going to daycare. Now
0: I'm understanding a lot more. Okay, okay. Yeah, go for it. Let's hear it.
1: So when I think about kindness, I think about how we treat other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what they want these little kids thinking about. And for me, consideration when I teach it as the first step in evaluating an etiquette situation is that thinking about other people. It's developing an awareness of others that involves being really um, specific and clear that there are other people who are going to be impacted by whatever it is you're doing. But it's that awareness of others that to me is really fundamental in the consideration part of that CRH equation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's present in kindness. I think that's about An awareness of others and how your actions are going to impact those people.
0: You know, it's funny because I don't usually think of of kindness as not being positive, but I find myself wanting to add a dose of positivity to that connection as well. You know, that it's like we can consider other people Well, I'm considering that. I'm thinking about it. I'm aware of it. We get the thinking of others part of it. But when we think positively towards impacting them, when we think positively about who they are, I think that's that's where it starts to cross into kindness for me, because there's a certain generosity of spirit. There's a certain element of positivity and goodness that we're starting to wrap this around, as opposed to just simply the thought happening.
1: I hear that. And it's something that we talked about a long time ago at Emily Post. In fact, our Parents' generation talked about whether or not kindness itself was a different principle than what you achieved if you were considerate, respectful, and honest.
0: Hot debates from the fourth generation. Let me tell you
1: guys, (laughs) this like there were were we're, we're,
0: meetings about kindness.
1: We're peeling back the curtain here. Involved
0: editors and things.
1: And it was a subtle distinction yep. to make, and there were what you just said. I think was probably exactly the heart of the argument to include it as a fundamental principle. I think in the end, they decided to limit it to three because there's something nice to three. Mm-hmm. But also, I think the idea was that if you really were aware of others, respectful and honest, that that positivity would be an outcome I of think those so. things, mm-hmm. and. I want to acknowledge that positivity is an important part of the equation.
0: It's also a part of the equation that becomes a choice for you to add it to because we are not always happy about the situations that we are in, yet we can be considerate, respectful, and honest about them. But it doesn't mean I have to give you my positivity and my kindness about it. Like the kindness kind of happens just from the consideration and and the respect and the honesty. but. It's something that does kind of allow you to reserve having to just be gung-ho or to be invested in certain ways emotionally that you might not feel like you really want to be. And so I think you you can use that part of it as like a, a tool for for adding in the emotion or for not.
1: I'm also thinking about gentle and respectful. And again, this is – My creative mind making connections here with
0: my notes in the show. I'm I'm actually excited to hear this. But I was
1: thinking about gentle as the how of your awareness about other people. Yeah. How do you show that positivity, that kindness? How do you take care with these other people that you're aware of? To me, gentle is a way to talk to two year olds about taking care with each other. We talk about respect often as the how that you put your awareness of others into action and a definition for respect that we found really useful in our business seminars is recognizing the worth or value of others.
0: That's the one that I've been so used to. And when I think about recognizing the worth or value of someone else, I think it dials me back from making unkind and harsh assumptions about them or being dismissive about them. And that's where I thought you were going to connect the gentle. It's where I see that gentle being so lovely as a connection to respect.
1: I like that idea of of respectful behavior helping you avoid the harsh because it definitely balances h- harsh and gentle i could see on either side of an equation yeah. if you're being gentle you're you're not being harsh you're not being dismissive and
0: you are valuing the worth of someone else just simply because they are alive and here on this planet with us yeah.
1: safety and honesty was another place where i said to myself oh, how, is it possible that they're connected are or they related connected? can i draw a connection here and
0: blow my mind cousin
1: i think that when you are honest when you are truthful you are almost always operating in safe territory ah, that no it puts you on fundamentally sound ground in terms of your interactions with other people that you can make mistakes accidents will happen that Honesty isn't always necessarily safe, but in, in I was the adult just world,
0: say, it's only when you pair it with the other two that it can be. Because we know brutal honesty is not safe territory at all. Like that's an arena we run from.
1: <laughs> and, and telling the truth doesn't mean that mistakes won't be made, that accidents won't happen, that you won't find yourself in tough situations. But if you're always honest, if you're always truthful, I think you're in better shape to deal with whatever those difficult situations are.
0: True. I like it. Oh, I like the connection.
1: Honesty is safe ground. Now, we also talk about safety being fundamentally more important than etiquette. That if you're ever in a situation where there's a question about someone's safety, yours or someone else's, that those are some of the few moments where we say, no, it's it's okay to step outside Many of our usual norms, expectations around social behavior and conduct, that if someone's choking, you can knock over a chair and give them a Heimlich maneuver. That yes. There are, are moments where it's No not
0: excuse me is necessary. Just get to the point and deal with the situation.
1: Easy or awkward. Someone's had too much to drink and they're about to drive home from your house, that you're not just allowed, but you really are— supposed to take action for the safety of everyone. And that can be really difficult, but it is important. So is it kind? Is it gentle? Is it safe? Are these ideas connected to consideration, respect, and honesty? I think they are. And I think it's a fun way to revisit those fundamentally important concepts of consideration, respect, and honesty whenever we're talking about etiquette. Thanks for joining me, Cousin Lizzie. I appreciate your willingness to dive in.
0: I love talking about consideration, respect, and honesty. I love examining different situations and finding. Who's involved? How are they affected? And what are the solutions to best serve? All impacted by the situation. And I really like the idea of, of applying kindness, uh, gentleness, and safety to our concepts. Well done. Everywhere you go, your
1: manners are with you, and they leave their mark. They help you feel sure of yourself, too, and they make an impression on people, on everyone you meet. Well, you take it from here.
0: like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And I'm mildly concerned that maybe y'all aren't seeing anything because our, our salute inbox no. is low. There has been a slowdown. I don't know if it's just the podcast is working, and so everybody who listens to it is out there just nailing it and they have fewer questions. But please, send us your questions. Send us your feedback. Send us your salutes. We love hearing from you. You are making this show. Happen for us, so please, please continue to contribute. Today, we have a salute from Floris. Last month, I had my first experience of undergoing a surgery under local anesthetic, a surgery where the patient is conscious rather than knocked out. Throughout the hour-long surgery, I noticed my surgeon and two nurses were constantly polite with one another, with requests always including a simple please, a far cry from the curt medical drama dialogue scalpel. I appreciated that, in addition to their consideration in making me feel comfortable, they were also considerate with each other in this simple form of etiquette.
1: I love this example. It is such a great example of something that we talk about all the time, which is cultures of civility and respect Mm. being foundational for making everybody feel good, that witnesses to rude behavior are impacted badly and witnesses to good behavior are similarly impacted in a really positive way.
0: Floris, we are glad that everything went well for your surgery, or we hope everything went well for your surgery, and thank you for sharing this lovely salute.
1: And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please do keep them coming. You can connect with us and share this show with friends and family on social media. You know, where you connect with friends, family, and sometimes coworkers. You can also send us questions, comments, and salutes to Etiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post.
0: And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E.
1: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and Please, if you like the show, consider leaving us a review. It really helps with our show ranking. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.